This is episode 7 of the Punk Theology Podcast. PunkTheology.net! This, this is the Punk Theology Podcast. And you're listening to season 4. Sometimes life gets a little dirty. That's when disgust takes over. This is disgust. Whether advising on your social life or on life's little messes, disgust is there to, well... Uh, Hold on. Well, I just saved our lives. Yeah, you're welcome. Seven hours on Zoom, and I'm ready to do another. (laughs) (laughs) You spent seven hours on Zoom, and you're back. Look at you. You're a trooper. Yeah, Yeah, I'm 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 past exhaustion and back into mania. So, oh, good, you and me. Let's <laughs> yeah. do this. Yeah, just like my daughter. Oh there no, really? Oh, Poor kid. Oh, yeah. she's she's smart though. When she gets tired, she gets. All the crazy. smart people are manic. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean I'm not smart? Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> good job picking up on that, dummy. Welcome to Punk Theology. Here we are, uh, all three of us. So. Oh no. There's my intro. How's that? Yeah. All three of us? <laughs> All three All of six us. Six of us. Five. Five. <laughs> I've had too much Coors Light as you know. Uh, Numbers are not a thing. The mountains are blue. I got my Leonard Skinner shirt. No, I'm fine. I'm just numbers are not working out for me tonight. Kristen's here once again. And I wanted to go into a little bit of last week because I remember like you were kind of at the end, you were like, you really like I can be on again. I'm like, yeah, you can be on anytime you want. I love that. You know? And then I'm like, I text Derek the next day. I'm like thinking about it. And I go, Hey, I'm sorry, man. Like, if you didn't want, if you didn't want your sister. You don't want your little sister. I like rolled out the red carpet for Chris. Like, no, I, which I, it was very sweet of you. It was very sweet of you. But my, my default assumption is that nobody ever wants to hang out with me. And so when I hear people say that, I go, thank you. That's very sweet. I know you don't mean it, but like, we'll just move on and pretend like you never said it. So like, that's my default assumption. So that when you emailed me, I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll see. And then here I am. Yeah. It turns out Derek likes you as a sibling. And I know. (laughs) I had no idea until... What, 24? Yeah, that was it. That's when I realized that you like me a lot. You like to torture me, but that's why you like me. <laughs> you are your breakthrough and your, uh, yeah, I don't know what they call that. Epiphany. When you you make up, I don't know. Or did you just ignore each other or, or tolerate each other? I had a makeup moment. I think it was just like over the course of 10 years, all of a sudden it turned into this. There you go. It's mature. It it, I don't there, think we really no talked about it. I would have my sister on this. No, my, either one, or my brother, or any relative. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty awesome, Steve. You're right. You are. You are. Yeah. Not really. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> yes, you're not. You're I gave really. myself up like that. Don't, Derek. You're, Derek, you're not really. <laughs> no, thank you, Chuck. Thank you. Step brother and a step sister. You're in the middle. You're not the worst. You're not the best. You're just oh, mushy middle. I'm. I'm, yeah. So, Kristen, of the five of us here, am I third place in everything? Because that's been a strong trend for this podcast for yes. a long time. Yep. 
you're about as yeah you're about as moderate as it gets i am lukewarm uh -huh. I, am, <laughs> I am i am too where i like with with certain things but then i'm really extreme in others and that's that's you too it's just in a different I'm just way i'm on the things that are mushy and boring yeah yeah me too oh must be genetics yeah. I, I do yeah genetics and environment we were <laughs> i mean our our house was in the middle of nowhere when we were teenagers. So we had to figure out shit that we were gonna do for entertainment. I mean, how many times we go out and do TPing and dry ice bombs? Like that was the regular thing that we would do. Yep, we had to entertain ourselves. It was yep. a psychological Petri dish. It, it was. Grasshoppers <laughs> in the summer. I don't know, that's what I did. I was out in the country too for a while. And yeah, we came up with stuff. I told you the, the story about making a luge out of a furniture dolly and a skateboard, right? Me? I don't I think I, no, it sounds like you though. Yeah. So it was actually Josh's idea. <laughs> it sounds like Josh. And then and then I dry I asked him to prove it to me. Um so so you took the furniture dolly mm -hmm. and you put the your feet on the on the bottom part where it sticks out, and then you put the handle of the furniture dolly on a skateboard. And you guys know what chip pave asphalt is? Yep. That's where they put down oil yes. and they just put crushed gravel over the top of it. So we had one of those in front of our house with a pretty good slope to it. Oh, <laughs> so, we got, so we go up to the top and I watch Josh do it. And he's uh, definitely the most athletic of, of the and, and he pulls it off really well. So I have him do it two more times. Uh, I'm like, okay, I want to try it. So then I did it and then Josh did it and then I did it. And Brian, my youngest, was with us and he was just begging us the whole time to let us uh to let him go and we're like i don't know brian like it's not a good idea oh, no. like, finally we're like okay okay fine so we go inside and we get all the knee pads and the hand pads and the elbow pads and the helmet and put it on him and he gets right to the middle section where he's really picking up sweet speed and he just gets the wobbles super bad and catches a corner of the tire and flips over onto his stomach oh, and skids God. like four feet on <laughs> like a fucking cheese grater uh, I remember this. Sam, no, I do remember this. No, because it really running down the hill and yeah. like pick him up and we're like picking gravel pieces. Yeah, out of yeah, like, I remember this. He, like, was... he looks up and he goes, "Don't tell mom." Yes, I remember that. And, and we go, like that's awesome, buddy. But she's gonna know. Like <laughs> you are missing on many layers of skin. I love coming for your t-shirt. No. Uh, so yeah, that was the, the story. But nobody wanted mom to know, but yeah, she was gonna yeah, she know. Was she was a nurse, so. Right. Uh. Well, and we probably needed her to know. <laughs> she was in rough shape. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about, we're talking about disgust tonight, right, Russ? Yeah, that's disgusting. Can yeah. I, can I open this up? Yeah, man. So um, this came up between me and Misha the other day, because we were talking about the movie Inside Out. Okay. Yeah, and the character disgust. Yeah, and there's the five primary characters. And honestly, the one that gets ignored the most in that movie and in general is disgust. Yeah. It doesn't feel to me like like a real primary emotion. Like if I thought about primary emotions, disgust wouldn't be one of the ones that came to the top of my head. I agree with that. So yeah. Misha and I were sitting there exploring that. And then, and she was uh, dealing with this, uh, this book. She's, I, I won't go too much into what she's dealing with, but she came to the realization that a lot of actually what she's what she qualifies in her head as anger really comes down to disgust and so we're talking about it and i realized that 
I have a really interesting relationship with disgust and I'm in the same place with her in a lot of things, in a lot of ways. One thing I discovered about myself is I'm actually fairly, like I'm attracted to disgust. I enjoy moments that fill me with a deep level of horror and disgust. Like there's some part of me that really revels in that feeling of being just absolutely disgusted with something. How would you define disgust? Like it's it's just like, oh, like 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 dark humor. The core of dark humor is disgust. Of like yeah. everything is fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah. And that's hysterical. I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. The core of dark humor is disgust. I think it can be a central point. I won't I won't derail it, but yeah. I'll come back to that later. There's more. There could be more to that, but but there, but I'm yeah again just noticing how much. And then I also thought it would be a good topic because it feels like 2020 was really a good year to highlight disgust. Like if I had yeah. one emotion that I had to identify with 2020, it's just a general feeling of feeling disgusted all the time. Yeah. Like, and it kind of feels like it's, it's like deep, deep disappointment and disillusionment to the point that it's actually like a physical psychosomatic response in my stomach mm. of a like a, oh like that is so fucking disgusting and disappointing and like i really i was really hoping for anything other than that and that's what i got um well you were forced to binge on it so it was probably enjoyable until it wasn't and then it was got really gross it came in waves because it stopped being fun okay and then started being too much like just and then one of the things that i realized about myself especially dealing with my different selves and my idealistic self which sits on the right side of me um is that uh, the core of a lot of my idealism and a lot of my own morality comes from disgust like there's a level of myself that i genuinely absolutely hate myself but i used to say i hated myself and in retrospect i think it's closer to i'm, I'm disgusted by myself um like like there's attributes in me that i find especially like when i'm dealing with the children inside of me the different entities inside of me many of them come to me and it's just like oh fuck like you are disgusting i remember like, you I wrote have... about the dead children like you were killing them off like you had that was that it was that a disgust oh yeah like of... please just fucking die like life would be better if you were just dead Okay, like I know that feeling. We all know yeah. that. Everybody here yeah. knows this. Okay. You don't even know it. Life would be better if you were just there. Okay, so that's your definition of disgust. That's interesting. I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. I've no, I don't think I've ever linked self-loathing with disgust before, but it seems really obvious because it is. <laughs> but no, I've never put those two together. If you're stripping it down to those five basic emotions, it's not anger. It's not fear. It's not... It's a repulsion. It's, like you are, it's the opposite it has, of attraction. It has ties to those, but the real heart of it is in okay. like, oh, mm. like I am gross. Nobody likes me at all. And they and they are right. They are correct. Because I am very unlikable. Like that's where <laughs> that lives. So what do you all think? I like you, Derek. <laughs> Thanks. Genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh I He's okay. Uh, I felt like I was discussed you know i was listening to an eminem song the other day and it reminded me of that where he says uh and i think that i got i got attention as a kid because my parents kind of ignored me 
I got a, a, more attention doing bad shit, you know? And, uh, and that was part of it. Like there's that line in the song where he says, uh, um, everyone, everybody wants to discuss me. So that must mean I'm disgusting. Yes. That's a great line. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Eminem, you're right. Eminem, Eminem made a living he, being disgusting. He, glor he glorified self-disgust. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. did that in a really like in a fuck you, I am disgusting. And yeah. I'm, and, and, and and I'm just going to wave it in your face sort of way. Yeah. Um, that was really powerful. And it was, yeah, it was just, it was, you know, rated X and violent. And well, and it was so, again, it was so self-aware. And yeah. so just, yeah. he dug, he digs so deep mm -hmm. into himself when he writes his lyrics. So yeah. deep. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. And I remember we were at Mars Hill at the time when, when Eminem was big and, and it being like respected by Christians, which was well, weird. You yeah. know, at least the progressive. Well, I, don't know. I think it should be. Yeah, yeah I think it should be too. Um, yeah. But it, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Like, oh. Turn it into hymns. I mean, honestly, we can all come together. And... <laughs> right. well, I mean, yeah. the song I'm Sorry Mama is mm -hmm. uh, one of like, he's basically- Oh, that's true. He's just doing a therapy session that he raps to like he just he just rips he takes his most intense inner pain and he just rips it out of himself and lays it in front of everybody to see yeah uh, and it's and he doesn't hold anything back mm -hmm. at all um and it's amazing to watch yeah it's amazing but it's incredibly sad he hates himself so much uh-huh so again that's where it comes down to the disgusting um just yeah. Okay. I'll stop talking. Let other people read. No, I was, I'm listening. So am yeah. I. I think we're all listening. Well, I looked it up and it comes up two, two it looks like it takes two, two rivers. A feeling of, of avulsion or a strong disapproval aroused by something unpleasant or offensive. And I've never internalized it, but maybe it is there because I have some snippets of my past that have come up in the last week, just as I'm doing a lot of story work that I have no idea why they come up, but it's just like a two minute film clip mm -hmm. and it's up, you know, it's the camera's up looking down mm -hmm. on it. But most of mine is, and I've been thinking about it since you said that is the things that repulse me or disgust me are acts that I see outside, you know, out and about. Um, one, it's been on my high list, especially since I, I walk my dog every day, is people let their dogs take a shit and just leave it. Mm -hmm. Or you go down to the waterfront and they'll leave it. And there's a mutt mix or a mutt mitt right by the shit on the ground and a garbage can. And they'll just leave it. That disgusts me. Yeah. And it's, I mean, so and that's, there's two parts. One is really is gross and disgusting and inconvenient. But there's the other part that is just so deeply disappointed. And I feel like that that disappointment, which then translates into disgust, or maybe it's disgust translating into disappointment, comes out. And yeah, it's there's disappointment, and then there's a disappointment that you feel in your bowels, and that I think is the one that's tied more to disgust for me. Yeah. So with disappointment, morality becomes part of the conversation. What were you gonna say, Steve? With disappointment and disgust, be similar. I think the so. Opposites. Sides of the river. I think, I think disappointment is having the high hope, 
and then having the realization that it's not going to happen. And then disgust is, is the reconciliation process mm. in that of, of, okay, now I have to take the reality that I was expecting. So disgust is an activity. Yeah. It's some kind of internal momentum it's instead of stagnant emotion. Okay. It's the processing portion. Okay. Of, of, I was expecting this, then I was given this and it, and then, the, then I was giving this is usually a mix of anger and fear. Like I really didn't want this to be true. But now that it is true and I don't have anywhere to run and it's pinned me, I have to grieve the fact that what I thought was true is in fact the opposite. And I have to like literally digest because it feels like you're digesting something gross in my body. The fact that the truth is horrible. Mm. Um, and I've just got to sit here until that normalizes. But aren't you trying to like logicify a feeling? Because I don't know, like part of it is for me, it's what's just, wrong with that? It's an emotion. Yeah, there's nothing can't wrong be with both. it. There's nothing wrong with it. I think that that trying to get why, like, because I think it's healthy. But a lot, a lot of people, it's sort of like when the dentist starts digging around with a hook in your mouth, like that's that's disgust, right? When Steve finds the pile of dog shit sitting next to the thing that says, "Put your dog oh, you mean, in here," right? As an experience, like, die! Like you fucking, oh, that's horrible. And so you, I think I, I think I understand what you're trying to say, Russ, and that, and I fall into this a lot. If you immediately intellectualize an emotion, you don't feel the emotion, so that you mm. don't benefit from. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you're right. That is, you have to be very careful of that because that's how I grew up. Uh-huh. Is that I was so emotionally yeah. intelligent that I could identify emotion in my head so quickly that I would only give myself like a millisecond to actually feel it. So I wouldn't get the actual benefit hormonally from feeling the emotion, but I would intellectualize and tell myself I had felt the emotion because I had identified it. So clearly I'd felt it but I hadn't actually gone through the entire process of feeling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you're right. I think Steve or Russ, there is a danger. I think there's, there's a helpful side to intellectualizing emotion, but I think there, you know, that's the purpose of meditation, right? Is to remove the intellectualization, remove the frontal lobe so that your <laughs> body can just do what it's supposed to do and feel the emotion and get it's hard to do. Yeah. I'm terrible at it. It's to get back into the flow. It's the difference between between making a plan versus enacting the plan. That's kind of the difference of what you're talking about there. That to for for every experience, like every building is gonna there's gonna be a blueprint, and so you create that, and then there's the actual experience of the building. And so it's those two go hand in hand. So you have to have logic if you're gonna have emotion, and those two can never be fully separated. At least like the contrary side is emotional thinkers, people who just rely on their emotions to tell them what to do. And those people are terrifying too. They are scary because they just do everything and they never stop and contemplate ever. So they never do the structural work. They just Just flow and they just flood everywhere and they're exhausting. Do you guys watch The Good Place? I've seen a few episodes I haven't seen. Yes. The last season, Jason Mendoza, who's one of the best characters of all time. Oh yeah, he plays Jason. Yes. He's great. He has this epiphany. He's like, so you're trying to tell me that just because I want to do something, it isn't a good enough reason. <laughs> yes. And he's like, no one's ever told you that before. Uh-huh. Michael goes, actually, Jason, many people have told you that, mostly judges. <laughs> judges. 
my God. But that's why that character is so great. And he's like yeah. so endearing because you can't help but love him because he's just so pure of heart. And you're like, oh, you're so sweet. And life right. always works out for him, usually. But there are a lot of people that don't understand. Like wanting to do something is not a good enough reason to do it. Weird. Right. So I'm curious about Chuck because Chuck and I share a checkered past. Right. Like, was there a part of you, Chuck, that had that kind of like, you know, being in front of the judge moment or or, you know, I'm I'm disgusting, like people disgust me when I'm disgusting. I felt like I got more attention, which isn't necessarily love. I don't know. I'm just curious about your take on all that. I actually struggle with this emotion topic altogether. I think that the disgust part of me runs most of the inner workings or like the laws that are in my head um you know and it's i've been quiet most of this conversation mostly just thinking and asking others what's going on um and it just comes that it's this might be you know and i've been working on this for a couple years now trying to figure out why a lot of myself don't talk and there's just this always underlying we are told not to like it's not safe to and I think that the disgust self of me has placed that whether it's for the safety of you know when I was a kid or uh, just the fact that what happened there was pleasure in some of it and you know it's when you you're seeking attention and so someone gives it to you it's pleasurable and all the shit happens as a consequence of it and so it's just easier to be quiet yeah. where, yeah. In, where in your body does you discuss that um it's a good question i think along my spine like the inside portion of my spine all the way down or yeah okay. yeah from the base of my skull to the bottom of my spine that is really it. interesting i can feel it really strong right now and like, like the marrow portion. almost yeah okay it's almost like it's the core of i think it is i think it is the core of your being absolutely no and you're you're able to connect right with the source of it which is that's a pretty powerful thing uh, it's fucking scary. Yes. Well, it's kind of like living without any skin. Yeah. That, that's what that would be like all the time. And this kind of came up a little bit. You know, so the last time we met, um, you know, Derek, I had asked about what's the thing that you don't want to share, you know, with everybody. And then I, you know, conveniently had to go. Um, and part of that, I think, is, well, I'm glad I had to go. Um, <clears throat> but like mine is, I think that portion of disgust sees how much everybody else enjoyed certain aspects of my childhood mm. and all of the trauma and horror that came with it. And he can't separate the, a kid needs to be loved and doesn't see it in his house. And so he goes somewhere else for it. Mm. Do you think the judgment is birth birth disgust 
Yeah, yeah I think I think disgust often first comes from outside. Yeah, that's. Yeah, a big part of this is growing up Christian. You know, how much of growing up religious Christianity just kind of just feeds that. You know, you're given this word, this sort of uh, ambiguous word, sin, right? Not just sin, but you're a sinner. Yeah, that too. And, well, and, and then sins become kind of ambiguous and like, there's no, you can't really nail it down. It's just everything bad. So all the disgust, like that, that spinal tap of sin that I felt, I, I, I get that. I, I don't know. Some of that touches me where it's just some of the religious shit I grew up with. Like I really internalized that. I never, I didn't start going to church when I was in high school. Yeah, I don't think a lot of it comes, I mean, it does come from the, you know, the Christianity of you're a sinner, you're broken, you're, you're doomed. But I mean, mine was learned from my parents. Yeah, like all of this was is, learned yeah. from my parents. The feeling that, and that's part of what I'm becoming more aware of, is a feeling that I, what I was feeling didn't matter. Or at least it didn't matter enough to be asked and to be and to, to have my heart pursued. To ask, you know, when I come home and, like you just said, Russ, acting out because no attention is worse than any attention. Uh, instead of asking, you know, what's going on? You know, you, you seem a little edgy. I never got any, I never was asked that. So you don't have words for that stuff. So you try and make that make sense in your junior high or grade school mind. And then that's when the judgment happens and that's when the disgust and for me, a lot of disappointment, you know, disappointment in myself and disappointment in others. And I don't think, I mean, just projecting and remember, remembering some of the same scenarios, like honestly, like being annoying is a type of being disgusting. I'm well, sorry, it's a, it's a type of what? Being annoying is kind of a type of being disgusting. Yeah. It's, it's disgusting behavior, right? Like where it doesn't, it just makes everybody else in the room go, oh, like we don't want to spend time with you because you're so fucking annoying. Um, I see this with my son. He really struggles with being intentionally annoying at times. Uh, and I can see the powerlessness behind it of like, I don't under, I don't know how to make people like me. I do seem to know how to make people um, dislike me. Uh, but it, and if I do that intentionally, at least I have control over um, over who's doing it. Um, and yeah, and that and I watch that start to creep into him, and I'm constantly fighting against it. But but sometimes I feed into it because he is just being really fucking annoying, and it's yeah. like like stop it, stop being annoying. Um, but but no, yeah, it's. That annoying thing, I think, is also a type of disgusting. Because the clear message from people around you is, I don't really want to spend time with you when you're like this. Mm. But how does a person like Jim Carrey... Russ Carrey. <laughs> like Jim Carrey is. The actor Jim Carrey, you know? Like, that guy made a living off of being annoying. Like, this whole fucking comedy is annoying. It's weird. I wonder how that was fed, you know? This, people like that are interesting to me that can they're like Eminem right like it's another disgusting thing that somebody you know popularized 
Well, again, like it's funny, you know, because we do talk a lot about punk, but one of the core attributes of being punk is being disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Like I want to be something that the people in authority like turn their noses up at. Yeah. And I'm just going to lean into that. Um, well, what's the other one? Guar. Guar is a really interesting example of just really diving into disgust. You guys familiar with the band Guar? Yeah. Um, where it's just over the top theatrics all around just being as disgusting as possible. Alice Cooper did that in the 70s, yes, you know. Right. Alice Cooper's Cooper. another one where he, you know, put baby dolls on swords, you know, and stuff like that. Like it was shock rock, you know. Right. Uh, so curious, would when you when you know you're acting when you're being disgusting, do you want and I'm asking kind of for me as well, do I want someone to ask me what's going on? I think in that moment. For me, a lot of times, it's I'm hoping that they will just accept me anyways. I think it's a test of of the conditionality yeah. of love in that moment. Yeah. Of like, will you see how disgusting I think I am and will you come rescue me from it? Which is a really passive aggressive, fucked up way of operating. But that's a, the way a lot of us grew up. And that was the reality that we understood. Um, but and I but and so it's a very childish desire, but I think it's a very also a very core desire of like, okay, you say you love me. What if I do this? Mm-hmm. You love me? Yeah. No, uh, oh, maybe not as much. That hurts in a way that I'm that's really, really odd. Yeah. One of the worst things about being male is feeling disgusting. It's really hard. Uh, just feeling so brutally unattractive so often. And, and we get messaging pretty often that we're gross. Um, especially like historically through the 90s, the messaging of men are gross was really strong. Yeah. Um, Such a complicated Chris- thing. No, just because just I, was, I was thinking about this. I was actually meditating on, on the idea of disgust about a week ago, long before we even talked about this. And... I just kept thinking about like how men are just so gross and they love it. They love it. So somewhere along the way, like you said, the media got a hold of it and they turned it to a woman's point of view, like a more of a feminine perspective. So it just took the whole idea of gross and it put a, a feminine lens on it, which is like, Ugh. but like men are like, yeah, they, they love that nasty shit. And it is so, it's it's a lot of fun when you can actually really enjoy disgust, but, yeah. the but most, when it's it's kind of feminized, I think I think it just gets beat to a pulp. And there's no there's it's hard to have a more intimate moment with someone when than when you're sharing the most disgusting things about yourself. Right. Like that's that's the greatest type of intimacy there is. Yeah. Um, and then people that's run why, away from you and they accept you and they hug you and. That's what I always liked the most about concerts was the mosh pit because you're just in a sea of humanity to the point where you're not even entirely sure where your body ends and the person next to you starts and you're covered in sweat, but everybody's ecstatic and couldn't be happier to be there. And it feels like such a group intimate an intimate moment with total strangers Mm -hmm. and it's like there's really not any other context other than a mosh pit where you can get that much of an intense 
uh, intimate contact with a total stranger. Um, well, now, our, our, our Whidbey trip, I felt an intimacy there with a group of different guys. I mean, for me, that was the most, that was the first real experience I've had with a group of six people that were so different. Mm -hmm. Ideology, um, practice, life, history. And, and again, the intimacy of that moment was so intense. I mean, Arthur was literally a three-year-old child. Yeah. Like he couldn't, yeah, like, like you couldn't be more intimate than that. Like, like we had to make sure he didn't jump off the fucking cliff. Like, like he was that level of consciousness. Uh, and, and yeah, and that's a special thing. Like, like that doesn't happen in adult life no. ever. Well, and there were two moments for me. It was the first moment and it, I'll, this will, this is imprinted on me forever was when I was high and went and lay down on the couch, freaking the hell out. And Arthur came and sat with me and walked me through that. Oh, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. And then the next, the next morning when I went in, when Russ or Chuck was getting up and called him a motherfucker for giving me that joint, <laughs> puking my guts out, but it was an intimacy because I can say that to him. Right. And he can say it it's back. Safe. It's yeah, safe. very much so. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, what I long for is, is safety to be who I am. Yeah, and I think that's why men are gross. Like, I can take a shit in front of you, and I'm safe doing it. Like, how much more intimate can it be than that, yeah. right? Like, right. I literally had to have Chuck pour a bath for me because I didn't know what a bath was. Um, and, and then I had to figure out if I was going to strip down naked or not, and if that was okay. <laughs> that is precious though. <laughs> that is cute. That was, that was great too for me, Derek, because there was that moment of the water's going, the bath's filling, and you're standing there mostly clothed still. And it's like, do I leave? Cause he might drown. Maybe. Derek, are you going to get in the bathtub? And you, you know, you start to take your shirt off and you have your swimming trunks on and it's, and you're like, do I wear these? I'm like, do you want to? And you're like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I think, I think I need to wear these. I don't what I was why. saying was, I think I'm supposed to, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so did you, or did you take them off? Yeah, I did, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, you wore them. Yeah. That's how I do all my pro my uh, my processing it was, too. It was a feeling of like I don't Sorry. understand why, but I'm pretty sure my mom would want me to. Yes. <gasps> Ooh. Ew. <Yeah>. Gross. But <laughs> I think the same things. Oh, mom is so in my head. Oh. Oh man. So then what happened? So he got in the tub. I left. I didn't he care if he drowned anymore. Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> He'd had his moment. He'd had his sweet moment of intimacy. Ah! He's like. Yeah. He's like, and actually, if Derek dies now, it's better because yeah, because <laughs> we end on a high moment. note. I had the brief <laughs> moment, and then I got the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the weekend was interesting because Russ, you and Arthur were you were with Arthur the whole time, and Chuck, you were with Derek, and I I'll be honest, man, I was uncomfortable. 
We could it tell. Was that, it was the depth of intimacy that I was uncomfortable with. Oh, well, no. That, that, and that left you with John, and John was just fucking miserable. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's Why? true. Why? Why John, John did mushrooms the worst way I've ever seen anybody do mushrooms. John, John, had, John a had a plan. Yeah, John had a plan. Oh. And he... I mean, he rewrote stuff and had all this stuff figured out, oh, and no. he took mushrooms, and he was going to go in and meditate, and he was... Oh, no. Oh, he was, what, an hour and a half? He looked unhappy. And so he did was he fight miserable. it? Yeah, he, he was... And he took oh, just that, that, awful. that he was up against the wall of his consciousness, but not enough. <sighs> so he was just, was like, in... Oh, it's like being awake for, like, seven days, and you still can't sleep. It's that mm -hmm. I remember him like I, I went in to check on him like he was just laying there in the bedroom I don't know if he was sleeping or whatever so I went in there and then he he started just telling me about his life you know and, and he kept calling me Russ Shaw like like both <laughs> names you know you know Russ Shaw I, uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a you know whatever his age and you know I'm a father of how, you know my life and my marriage and just kind of reflecting on that stuff it was interesting how he was it was kind of spilling out of him i don't know why i said that he did it great though at uh, mother's pocket derek yes he did he totally redeemed himself in mother's pocket yeah <laughs> what does that mean we went to this campground that we found that's a it's a private campground that you can rent it's called mother's pocket which was perfect because it basically it's a vagina um but where is this? Damn, that's gross. He goes gross. Anyway, keep going. Where, where is this? You don't want to crawl back into a vagina, Kristen? Uh, just keep warm talking. Just steep? keep. Stop. Stop. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, hate you. Where? Where though? Is it like Snohomish? Is that no? It's a, It's up uh, by like a Linwood area. Oh. And uh, yeah, and John just danced the whole time. He was very really. Oh, oh that's and he, beautiful. And he, and he like stared at himself in the mirror for like an hour and a half. And yeah, just, he was oh my at god! In the reflection of to accept that is so cool. Uh -huh. It was a good trip. <laughs> we had some good moments <laughs> too on that. Yeah, Chuck trip ball. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on purpose? Yeah. Okay. And, um, and I do. I have a a little bit of a. I'm sorry, Derek and John. Um, so does. the plan was to go in and light trip and just kind of be happy and I didn't I went balls out and uh, we were I don't know maybe an hour into it before anything really came up and it's like oh yeah I took like twice as much as you guys did three times as much as you guys exactly. did yeah. holy shit Jeez. how many did you take? three three that was three and a half it might have been. I still I say five bad. is the only way to fix any of this. Oh, uh, Chuck. oh Chuck. Tell Kristen about coming back into the room. You're probably right, too. So, oh, that sounds terrible. Tell, tell Kristen why 2020 is your fault, Chuck. So, yeah, so this whole, well, what was it, 19, July 19, right? Yeah, I think Oh, yeah. Did that. Um, oh, oh, I thought you were talking about something else. Anyway. So I... We're actually in the wrong, well, I'm in the wrong reality. And I still have, this is still very, very strong feeling with most of my parts is when I came to, I was not where I should or left. You like I, it's else. not where I should be or where I left as far as realities go. Mm -hmm. I'm in another reality. Well, 
I should say that you're probably not in the wrong reality. You're probably in the exact right reality. It's just a matter of leaning into it. That's the hard part. It's just letting it be what it is. That's, yeah. that's the part that's so shitty because it's brand fucking new and you just, and you never know if you get back to the old reality. In fact, you probably won't, but it's no, terrifying. Probably, it's so won't. scary. And I, at this point too, I'm not entirely sure I want to go back. I mean, there's okay. a lot of things that have happened over this last year, year and a half. Um, that if I go back, it wouldn't be this way. And that would suck. So. Well, I was just telling my husband that 2020 has been, 2020 was the best year of uh, my life. So. Thank is you. everybody's finally as miserable as you are? yeah but i wasn't gonna say it like that you're such a dick yes yes that's part of it they finally understand what it's like to suffer like yeah it sucks doesn't it it was my whole life yeah all these celebrities are at home sharing Zoom. Yeah. Like, oh, do this. No, I'm just. Don't you do that anyway between movies? Like, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> it's not reality. No, of course um, not. It's been a pretty good year for me too. You know, I, I being honest. I mean, I'm I'm not a Lyft driver anymore. I had a car accident. I mean, uh, I'm making more money than I did a year ago. Had a career change. You know. All right. That's no, a big deal. Good. Yeah. You know. Um, but it's funny how, speaking of disgust, how many people, like I noticed during the new year, how many people are like, flush 2020, you know, like the, all this hatred. And it's like they piled all their disgust on this this year, 2020. Like, now that 2020 is over, we can get back to normal. It's like, no, like we're still fucking social distancing and the bars are still closed and nothing is fucking changed except a turn on the calendar. But it's interesting well, the, how the, it's, there it's was a riot at the Capitol. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but that's <laughs> why it's because, you know, we're, we're, we're we got to change something because it's January now. I know. Yeah. It's like it's just a different day. You know, it's like, yeah, I, uh, Cause you see a lot of it people are saying, yeah, I'm going to do this now. This is a new year. Just a mark, you know, do it on your birthday or do it on the 4th of July. It's one just of, that day. One of the amazing things about humanity is their ability to anthropomorphize anything, including a year. They will say that year. Yeah. That year had it out for me. Like <laughs> yeah. they will, they will assign human characteristics. And they create so they, a personal relationship with it. Yes. And create a relationship uh -huh. with it. And then try and step out of that unhealthy relationship that they thought they had. French oh, do that with wine. I wonder if you're all joke. welcome for the personal relationship with 2020. All right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 Vintage 2020. Well, I think people know what it feels like to feel violated now. And that, I mean, it's, I, I say that, I mean, it sounds so bitchy when I say that, but I'm like, it's awful, you guys. It's horrible. Like one day you're living your life, the next, nothing is the same. That is a horrible thing to experience. And people experience that all the time, like deep and powerful violations, but people are like, eh, get over it. <laughs> like, it's not that easy, is it? Yeah, exactly. It's hard. It's really yeah. hard. There is a large percent of the population that's never really experienced powerlessness before. No, ever. Yeah. And 2020 ever. was a giant exercise in powerlessness. Yep. And a good number of people freaked out. You know, it's it's like a lot of, you know, a lot of like little kids. You know, I'm gonna throw a tantrum. 
because yeah. I'm not getting my way. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't go here. I can't do this. Um, I, I'm supposed to do that. And they said, no, you're, this is my space. I didn't get reelected. Freedom. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, you're right. It, and I think that's a lot of my disgust from what's happened the last year is realizing how childish and how severe, the level of severe arrested development so many people that I know have, especially people that I felt like I respected and, and I had assumed they did have a level of maturity and then stuff started happening and you start to realize, oh no, like you were just kind of faking it. Yeah. Uh, and, you're, and you've got like a whole mess of three-year-olds inside of you that you just barely kept, keep at bay and now they're running all over the place and you're completely out of control. And they're just popping up randomly, compulsively in your life constantly. Uh, and you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea why your behavior is so erratic. Because um, it feels like you used to have your shit together. But now all of a sudden, your reality has been shifted. And mm-hmm. all that shit that you learned when you were three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and the challenge is to sit in that with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's hard. Okay. And that's where, that's where I've been indulging my uh this came up last week my uh um my own arrogance is is trying to to lean because it's so because when you're sitting in there with them you have to be able to get past your own narcissism and your own accomplishment and your own arrogance and your own elitism and judgmentalism and sanctimony in that moment um, because you really are in a position if you've done a lot of work where it's like, I've kind of figured this part out already. But if they up on even an iota of that, they're not going to be receptive. No. So well, you, 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 I look back to where I was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And if I would go back and sit with myself three years ago, I'd hope I had the patience to just sit with them. Yeah. You know, just shut up. Mm. And just be with them. Mm. It would have been really hard, though. Oh yeah, I absolutely would. Really hard. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I've been. Through. So that's where I've been indulging that arrogance to try and explore it in the process of to, to really try and suss out this the part of myself that really does feel like it's better than everybody else. Oh my God, I've been doing the exact same thing. That's so weird. You're doing that. Um, no, and you're doing it, it on purpose. Yes. Try to weed out. Yeah. No, that's what I've been doing. It's awful, but it helps. Because there's like a an actual self inside of me that's really fucking arrogant. <laughs> me too. Okay. Like here's here's a deal. Here's the trade. I'll let you drive for a while if you let me study you and figure out how you trade. Yes. Tick. Yes. And, and why you do that. And then maybe we can get to an agreement where uh-huh. uh, we come a little bit closer to the truth. Yeah, my engineering mind gets to sit in the passenger seat while like my my ego is in the driver's seat and i'm just like sitting there taking notes I'm like okay like you're gonna crash this car yeah. and i usually do and then i'm like fascinating how did that happen it How'd is really helpful disney's uh disney has a pixar movie soul it's so good i just yeah. watched it right so before cool. it came in here it was yeah. like, oh wow. it is so good that's kind good. of the premise right oh it was incredible yeah. i was like what I the love- hell I love the moment where he's looking at all the things he did in his life and he's like, it was meaningless. <laughs> yeah. I didn't do anything. Like the weight of that moment is so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That movie is fa- And 
The fucking Psychonaut in the pirate ship is one of the... <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, Can't I know. I felt I've that. I've never was... seen it on film. It was so good. Yeah. 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 Chuck, it seen it? No, I haven't. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. You should definitely my go. My daughter said it was... She She highly recommended it. My oldest. So good. Yeah, it's beautiful. That. Like It is. It, I Somehow, Pixar, does. they used to do such a good job of just being consciously one or two steps ahead of society. Mm -hmm. And so by the time society is ready to hear some of this conscious expansion, they're just right there. And mm -hmm. then, and they deliver it to you in such a playful, fun, interesting, self-reflective way that oh, yeah. the whole thing just feels fun. Yeah. yeah. It also just feels like it touches you. And it's, I mean, the fact that it's called soul, like at the end, I just felt like it touched my soul. It's like, well, it's, it's crazy. That movie yeah, is, is. That movie took yeah. some risks. Yeah. some really big risks yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing and it's interesting because as you do this stuff you start seeing themes in a lot of movies uh-huh for yeah. sure you know starting um, into the galaxy 2 i just sat through the whole movie being like wow because it's about <laughs> ego it's really because i hated that movie go rewatch it the, it's it's about killing your father and killing your ego at the same time yes he's literally named ego yeah. That is Russell right. character's name is Ego. And he briefly and, turns into David Hasselhoff. And that's true. Yes. He does. And then and it's all about like that man wasn't your real father. The abusive fucktard that raised you was your father. Right. And that man and that man at the core of his being loves you even though he really fucked you up. Okay, I'll have to rewatch it because I did not like it. Last yeah. time I watched it so good. I'll give what it a second it? go. What was the movie? Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Chuck, did you freeze? No. You're just holding really still. He's paying yeah. attention. Uh, no, I'm not. So, so if you go back to <laughs> Chuck disappeared. Three-year-old self, Rushaw. What's that? You go back to your three-year-old self. You can go visit him right now. What would you tell him? Do it. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. Did that make a difference? I had to I had layers to me I see the world in layers now you know I think that's another cool thing about art you know that, that idea of getting past people's watchful dragons you know like art good art does that um, my three-year-old self I loved stories like I'd sit and watch I was dyslexic so I didn't read much you know but I, I was captivated by by good stories and that's not, I think that would be the what, what greatest you, end to the, my story as an adult would be to pull me aside and go you know it's gonna be okay like it's even though all the horrible shit that happened to me after I was three years old there's a there's a three-year-old in me that you know we get to that emotional thing like Kristen was talking about off mic a little bit like there's that part of us that's never does it really grow up I don't know no, emotions. Um, so yeah, I guess that's how I would answer that. Because that's that's kind of what I've been doing too is trying to reparent myself. Some of those issues that I wished um, my dad would have done, my dad would have taken the time. Um, Repair yourself. What, what reparent? Oh, reparent. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, just what I needed at three years old. Mm. What did I need? Yeah. I need somebody to not judge me somebody that I didn't feel disgusted around just by simple comments or, or action. 
And they said, you know, a lot of it too is I'm, I'm looking at a lot of my attachment wounds from when I was up to two years old. And they say, how do you know? You don't know what your parents did to you when you're below two. But um, one of the guys out of the Allender Center said, if you want to know how your parents parented you when you were up to two is how they parent you when you're in grade school and junior high school. Because that's the same way. And for me, it was a lot of disinterest. You know, they, they, I know they have their own crap, but, and I don't, and it, one of the things too, is it's difficult to, to start naming this stuff because, it, you know, especially in the Christian world is we think, well, we're supposed to forgive and move on, but you can't get healing until you name it. Well, what do you think forgiveness is? Forgiveness is just coming to the place where you've digested it long enough that you have peace with it, where you've been yeah. able to accept the truth, yeah. but the church doesn't actually know what forgiveness no. is. No. No, because don't see the layers. Experience, yeah. There's right. no layers. There's just forgive and forget, which is yeah, they think no one does that. They think forgiveness is an egoic decision. Mm-hmm. Horseshit. Yeah. It's healing. Forgiveness is for the wounded person more than yeah. it for the. It's just accepting the reality of the situation and accepting that time was what it was. Accepting and not resigning to it, and that's and the huge you- difference because most people resign. Right. Uh, this was really good (laughs) really good conversation thanks again for for all you guys showing up and Kristen are you okay with the term you guys oh yeah no I'm not I'm not offended easily Derek I grew up with you I'm you're yeah (laughs) you're welcome for that oh are we just communicating an email are we going to do WhatsApp or what are we doing? Uh, Kristen, did you get a WhatsApp invitation? No, because I'm like slow on everything. Okay. Uh, do you have WhatsApp? No. Oh. Oh, we should probably. That's what I mean. I'm slow. going to land the plane so we can stop recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can talk shop, so to speak. <laughs> After. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, thanks for listening <laughs> the ah. just blew up. that's just horrible both pilots can you fly this plane and land it surely you can't be serious I am serious and don't call me Shirley thanks for listening to Punk Theology don't forget to subscribe Like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound? Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. That's a huge bitch! Picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue.